And we are in business. Okay. We have a new Mishnah. Goy shehilves ha-Yisrael ha-Chametz. We'll just read it again to the bottom of the Aflamen. If a non-Jew lent money to a Jew, and as collateral, the Jew gives him Chametz, gives him some bread. So, Akhara Pesach, if it's after Pesach, right, if it's after Pesach, so, Mutter Bahana, right? I should say, not if it's after Pesach. Once after Pesach comes, once Pesach is over, so, you're allowed to derive benefit from that bread. If the arrangement goes the other way around, if a Yid lends money to a non-Jew and the non-Jew gives the Jew chametz as collateral after Pesach, after Pesach, for reasons we're going to discuss in the Gemara, it's as if the chametz, the bread, belonged to the Jew. And therefore, it's Asr Ba'ana, you're not allowed to derive any benefit from Now, Itmar, the Gemara explains as follows. Right, I'm going to have a little digression into the rules and regulations of uh, of Chayv, of Jewish lending practice. Right? As a general rule, how do we understand the rights of a Balchayv, of a creditor, right, when he comes to collect his payment? Do we say, let's say he has a Shibud, he has a lien on a particular piece of property, and the debtor defaults on the loan. So he goes and he takes that piece of property, right? And he repossesses the uh, the land, right? So, um, says, We view it as if, really, retroactively, all I basically did was I bought land from you. I gave you money and I got a piece of land, right? In other words, the, the land is considered to have been mine. I'm, I here am the creditor, right? The land is considered to having as having belonged to the creditor from the time the money was uh, was given to the borrower to the debtor. For Rava, my Rava says no. You kind of right? It's a new deal. It's a new thing. It's a new thing. So you know, before there was just an unpaid loan, and now I'm coming and I'm collecting this piece of land. My relationship to this land as the creditor starts from today. Okay, who cares? Now, says the Gemara, in any scenario where, let's say, the the debtor, the borrower, um, let's say he was Maktish, right? Let's say he consecrated that piece of land for Hakdish. Or Zavin, let's say he sold it, right? There's no question that the Malva can simply walk in and say, excuse me, that was pre- previously Meshubid, um, right? I had, I had a standing lien on that piece of land, and I'm very sorry that you bought a piece of land with a lien on it. You should have done a title search um, because it's mine now. And even Hektish, says the Gemara, what do you do? Right, Rashi explains, you give a, a very small amount, because we don't have, you know, you take a, a pittance and you give it to Hektish, so it shouldn't look like you're just taking stuff from Hektish. But then uh, then it's yours. Then you get to keep it. Then you get to keep it. Right? It's not, as we learned, right? you, you throw in an extra dinner um, and you redeem the property that was uh, consecrated to Hektish as the creditor. It was previously Meshubit to you, and it is your right to take it. Keep Ligi, what then is the debate? The Zavin Malva, the Kaddish Malva. The case is if while, right, if before the uh the piece of land was was formally transferred to the to the property of the Malva of the lender, right? The lender went ahead and sold it, or he consecrated it, he gave it to Hakdish. What's the Allah then? 
Abaye says, so ultimately we consider me to have been retro, the, 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 the collector, the, 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 the debtor, the, the creditor, right? The creditor is considered to have, um, is considered to be being goive. He's considered to get his hands on the property retroactively from the moment that he made the loan. Given that that's the case, right? Since the time has come to pay up the loan and the debtor is now defaulting on the loan. According to Abayah, it turns out that I, the, the, the creditor, always owned the piece of land. I was really always the owner of the piece of land, historically, right? So therefore, when I sold it, and when I was maktish it, in fact, it was mine, right? So therefore, my hektish and my sale are, in fact, effective. They work. Rav Omar, Rav says, Rav says, you collect it, right? The, 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 the editor is, the, I keep saying editor. The creditor is considered to, um, uh, to be collecting from, from, uh, from that time on. We don't look at him as having owned the piece of land from uh, the very time that he made the loan. And therefore, and therefore came in the Ilu Havalizuzi Havnasakluzuze, right? Since I could have very easily, as the, uh, the the borrower could have very easily said, oh, uh, you know, here's the money. And uh, would you, you know, forget about that piece of land. It's not yours. So for all practical purposes, I only now acquire the land. The, 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 the creditor only now acquires the land. And um, he anything he did or declared in reference to uh, hectish or selling it before that is invalid. Now, says the Gemara, can Rava have actually said this? Let's say Ruvain sells a field to Shimon with what with a condition called a chreis. Right, that was a chreis work. A chreis is a guarantee. Right, Christ is a guarantee. That means that if something happens to the field, right? Let's say uh, Ruvain has um, has creditors, and the creditors seize the field for some reason, and so um, Shimon is entitled to go to Ruvain and say, "Hey, listen, you uh, you gave me a guarantee that I wouldn't lose on this deal, so you need to pay me for my loss in terms of the field." Now, here's a complicating factor: the What did you do? You set up the, the Shimon, the buyer. He goes ahead and says, I don't actually, I'm not very liquid right now, so let's finance this, right? I'm going to pay you back, uh, you know, uh, uh, no payments necessary for a year, and then I'm going to pay you back at the end of the year. I'm going to pay you for the value of the end of the year. Mace Ruvain, and as if that weren't already complicated enough, Ruvain passes away. So now what happens? So about one of Ruvain's creditors comes swooping in, and he grabs this field from Shimon. Now, what does Shimon do? So Shimon goes to the Balchayv, to the creditor, to Ruvain's creditor. And he says, look, buddy, here's some money, right? He brings a suitcase full of cash. He says, here's some money. Please give me back the field. And the guy says, sure, I don't care. I don't, I don't want a field. I want money, right? So says the Gemara, Dinahu, it is only right. The Ruvain, the children of Ruvain can come and say to Shimon, Anan metautali shivakavun gabach, Right, right. Our father um, left metaltalim. He left movable property in your hands. Why is that true? Remember that Shimon owed Ruvain money. 
Shimon had yet to pay for his field, right? So the so he owed right Metaltlin. He owed he owed a certain amount of money to um, to Reuven, who's now dead and whose orphans whose whose inheritors are now banging at his door. So Anan Metaltli Shavakavun Gabach Metaltli the Yasmi Luach Chayvleim Mishtabti. The rule is that Metaltlin uh, movable property that is left to Yisaimim that's left to orphans is not. Uh, there's no lien, right? They do not. Uh, they do not. They, they don't become um, mortgaged, right, to the creditors, right? The 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 the. So so, what does that achieve? What the what the orphans are basically saying is that the field belongs to Shimon. It belongs to you, right? You bought it fair and square. There's no land left for them, right? So Shimon can't really get the compensation that he's owed. Remember that Shimon had to deal with Reuven, the father, the deceased father. That if something happens to the field, Reuven will take responsibility for it. But the problem is that he chose, he chose to pay off the loan. He chose to pay off the loan with money, with property. Excuse me. With property that belonged to the um, Yisoyimim by right. What he really should have done, right, is taken that money that he had to pay Ruvain and given it to Ruvain's Yisoyimim, to Ruvain's orphans, right, and said, you know, and either, you know, convinced the Balchayif to go over there and get that money, right, or then he should have basically, should, the point is he should have come back to, Ruv, to, to Ruvain's orphans at that point and said, okay, now my, the money I owed your father is gone, right? I paid that up, but there's a different deal I had with your father, which is that he's going to replace my field if it gets taken away by his creditors and that I'm still waiting for you guys. But since he did things in this order, since he decided to pay off the creditor himself, right? The will say, you never had a right to give that money to the creditor. That money is ours, right? Given that that's the case, given that that's the case, um, well, you, uh, 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 we're now coming to demand the money that you owed our father, right? The money that you owed our father is still not paid up. Um, and right, because he has, he still, remember, he still hasn't paid for the field, right? And then they'll, you know, take the field or whatever. Okay. And Rava commented, here's what Shimon should do if he's real smart, if he's savvy. Right? He'll pay what he owes them, right? He'll, they're right. They, they, get, they get to demand money. You know what he should do? He should give them a piece of land. He should give them a piece of land to pay him. Why is that? Because then he can turn around and take the field right back from them. The Omer of Nachman, Yusayim, Shigavu, Karka, Bukhev, Saviyem, Bachoiv, Choyzer, Vagoiv, Oisomehem. When Yusayim, when orphans um, collect on Karka, on land, which um, uh, uh, when they collect uh, land, for a debt which was owed to their father, the Balchoiv, someone else, some other creditor, right, can come now and say, Oh, now you have land, give me the land. Because remember, land that belongs to Yusaymin that um, does uh, is accessible to Balichoiv, it is accessible to um to the creditors of their father. That being the case. Shimon here is no different. He can pay them with land and then say, oh, but remember, I didn't just owe your father money. Your father also owed me money because he promised to compensate me if my if the field I bought from him is taken away and it's been taken away. So give me that land. Now it says the Gemara, after all that, 
If you're going to tell me that a creditor collects retroactively, and it was always his, that's why it makes sense to say that um, you can go ahead and collect the chayv, right? In this case, from the assignment from the orphans, you can take the piece of land. Why the command to go Michaim Davoin Dami? Right? It's as if uh, it's as if he got it during the lifetime of their father. It's as if he got it during the lifetime of their father. Right. In other words, the um the piece of land is considered to be retroactively going all the way back to its original, you know, wherever its original source was um, as belonging to their father. In other words, because when they get it, right, when the kids, the orphans get it, it's as if they've always owned it, right, since the, since the time that the loan was made, which was in their father's lifetime, which ironically enough, this land belonged to who knows who that, right? But, right, when, again, so when the orphans get the piece of land, it's as if, um, they always owned it from the time that the loan was originally made. The loan was originally made, their father was still around. And therefore, it makes sense to say that it is uh, mishobid, that it can, that it can, that it can be accessed by their father's creditors, which happened to include the person who just gave him this piece of land, who can now turn around and take it right back. If you're going to tell me that, no, there's no such magic, right? And when Yusayimim or any Balchayv, when any uh, um, uh, 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 creditor gets a piece of land, or anything, any payment, we consider it as having arrived at his door right now and not from the time of the loan, right? What right does he have to take the land from them? It's just like they bought a piece of land, right? The same way they can buy a piece of land. Right? If, if, if the orphans on their own decide to buy a piece of land, they don't have to give it to their father's creditors. It's only if their father owned a piece of land that they have to give it to their father's creditors, Right? So in this case, since we're saying there's no retroactive uh, ass assignation of the uh, of the land to the origin of the loan, right? So it's basically like they got a piece of land now. He owed them money. He gave them a piece of land. They just got it now. It has no bearing. It has nothing to do with any prior uh, obligations that anyone that their father had entered into. So what right does he have to take it? Says the Gemara Shani Hassan, right? It's not comparable. These are two different cases. The Amr Lehu will say as follows. Just as I owe your father money, right, for the, the payment for the field, originally, I also owe money to your father's creditor. You can't come to me complaining. You can't come to me complaining. You had no right to take the money you owed our father and use it to pay off his creditor because that money, actually, your father's creditor had every right to take, right? He had every right to, it, it, it very much addresses the original source of the loan because if I owe money to a second person and the second person owes money to a third person, Reb says we see it as a straight line, right? It's called Chibu the Reb There's a straight line from the person shelling out the cash to the person um, um, uh, the, the ultimate receiver of the money, even though he is two chayves removed, right? Two loans removed, right? We don't distinguish. And therefore, he says, I have every right 
to take the money that I owed to your father and use it to get rid of your father's creditor. That was a perfectly acceptable thing to do. What I actually did was I paid off your father's uh, old loan, right? And now you still owe me money um, or you still, you still, I'm certainly entitled to keep the field um, as my rightful uh, right? My rightful, um, uh, uh, the, the word fief is coming to mind, but it's not quite right. Um, uh, um, as the rightful owner of this piece of land. Says the Gemara, right? that's based on the teaching of Rav Nassim, how do we know that if someone owes his friend a hundred bucks, and then his friend owes another friend a hundred bucks, that you could take from guy number three and give it to guy number one. The Pasuk says, he should give it to the person to whom he is guilty. So Rashi explains that Asham in this case is a reference to Karen, um, uh, reference to the, uh, to the, um, uh, the uh, what do you call it? Um, the original credit. Okay. Right, whoever, in other words, whoever the person, uh, whoever the original owner of the, uh, of this particular piece of money is. All right, Tanat, we learned in the Mishnah. Finally getting back to Pesach. A non-Jew lends a Jew money, and the Jew gives him chametz as collateral. After Pesach, he's allowed to, you're allowed to derive benefit from this bread that you gave to the guy as a collateral. If you're going to tell me, Right, that retro that we we view the chayv as the, the payment rather as having occurred retroactively at the time of the original making of the loan. So it makes perfect sense why we should permit it, right? Because the non-Jew is keeping the bread, right? The non-Jew is keeping the bread. The Jew defaults on the loan. Now we say that the non-Jew always had the bread from the time the loan was made, which is before Pesach. The bread belonged to the non-Jew. So it's non-Jewish bread. So if I go and I buy that bread from the non-Jew, I'm fine. No problem. However, right, it's, I'm allowed to buy bread from a non-Jew after Pesach. If you're going to tell me no, right, I own the collection is only seen as happening from this point forward. Why is this bread, which was the property of a Jew over Pesach, allowed to derive benefit from? It was in the property of a Jew. Says the Gemara Hacha Bemayaskino and Kisher Hino Yatsloi. Right, the case is that he deposited the le- the the chametz with the non-Jew. Since he deposited with the non-Jew, um, so Rashi says the Gemara currently is operating under the assumption that Balchayv Koyne Mashkin that a um, a creditor when he receives a collateral becomes the owner. Right, Stan was mentioning this at the end of. The- Last uh, last year, uh, this is where the Gemara finally brings it in. Um, right, the Balchayv is the, the 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 creditor is seen to own, is seen as actually owning the collateral, and therefore it belongs to the non-Jew. And again, it's perfectly fine to derive benefit from. It. Says the Gemara, this seems to be parallel to Machlekes Tanayim. So the Gemara is actually trying to do now is trying to reject the suggested approach, which we said a moment ago, which is that that the bread was left, was deposited uh, with the non-Jewish creditor. Let's say not. And let's say this, this is actually a separate disagreement going on. If a Jew lends money um, to a guy, 
right, for his chametz. La'achar ha-pesach, right, in other words, and, and the collateral is bread belonging to the non-Jew. La'achar ha-pesach in the over, right? We don't see, we don't see the Jew as having owned the bread over Pesach, right? We consider the bread to still be the property of the non-Jew, and you can derive benefit from after Pesach. Mishum Rabbi Meir Abru, they said the name Rameir Oiver. Nope, you're Oiver, it's, a, it's an Avera, you're not allowed to derive any benefit um, from such a uh, bread collateral. So, my love, what, what could Rameir be thinking? My love, welcome if we, this must be the Machlaikis. The Mar Savar, Lama Freya, who gave Mayor holds, right? The Lama Freya, who gave that the collection uh, takes place retroactively from the time of the loan, and therefore it turns out that the Jew always owned the bread that belonged to Nanjah. And the Tanakhama says, no, right? The collection only counts from the time of the collection, and therefore, right, since the chayv, the, the loan only came due after Pesach, we say that the Jew only acquired the bread after Pesach. Says the Gemara Tispera, can you really offer such an explanation? Ema Seifa, just take a look at the next part of that price. Uh, look at the end. A guy, a non-Jew who lends money to a Jew with chametz as collateral, right? The Jew gives him some chametz bread as collateral. Even Rameyer agrees that after Pesach, you're not allowed to derive benefit from this bread. Says the Gemara, Right by your logic, we should simply reverse the opinions from the last machlekes. The opinion who holds right the Tanakama, who holds who holds that you did not that you're allowed to derive benefit from the chametz um, of the non-Jew that was given to you as collateral, right? So he holds that it's that there's no retro, we don't retroactively see the um, collected money as being the property of the, as having been the property of the creditor all along. So according to him, in this case, you should be over because since the bread belonged to the Jew until he defaulted on the loan. So it's bread that belonged to a Jew and Pesach passed, oh, Pesach happened. And now the bread is not allowed, you're not allowed to have any benefit from the bread. And Laman some Oiver, the opinion of Rameyer, who says that you would be Oiver um, in the case where the uh, where the non-Jew gives the Jew bread as collateral, right? Because he holds that retroactively um, the Chametz is considered to have been have belonged to the creditor, and therefore the Chametz was in the property of was retroactively in the property of a Jew over Pesach. So right? So but over here, when the non-Jew lends money to the Jew and takes collateral chametz from the Jew, so we say retroactively, when the Jew defaults on the loan, that the bread was payment for the loan all along. Bread was payment for the loan all along. And therefore, the Jew did not own the bread over Pesach. Says the Gemara, turning the page, Our original um, um, uh, solution is the better one. Right, you place the, you use the, you gave the collateral, you gave the, um, the, uh, the chametz uh, to the non-Jew. Um, the kamiflagi, right, or in, in this case, actually the Jewish, the non-Jewish debtor, right, gave the collateral uh, chametz to the Jewish creditor. The kamiflagi, the Rabbi Yitzchak, and they're arguing about something else. They're arguing about a principle of Rabbi Yitzchak. Right? Why? How do we know that a balchayv, a creditor, acquires whatever collateral is given? 
The Pasuk says that you're right if a person has a, uh, a collateral item belongs to a poor person or if he doesn't, he gives you like his coat, right? And you know he's going to need his coat. He's going to be called overnight. So you're supposed to give it back to him, right? It'll be a righteousness for you. So if you don't actually acquire um, the piece of clothing, right? The mashkin, the collateral. So what kind of tzedakah is that? That's not righteous. That's just you having to give back things that belong to other people. This is how we know that a balchayv is kind of mashkin. A balchayv, a creditor, um, acquires whatever collateral that is given to him. Right? And therefore, that's our um, that's our machlekes. That's only from Judah Jew. The Karina Beilchati at Staka, right? It's in reference to Jews that we have the rules about Mashkin, about, about collateral in the Torah. When a Jew takes collateral from a guy, he doesn't acquire it, right? He doesn't acquire it. And therefore, if he has Chametz as collateral from a non Jew, he doesn't violate any Isser. There's no Isser involved because he never acquired the collateral. Remeir says there's a Kavach. Yisrael, Yisrael, Kani, Yisrael, Miguel, Kolshkein, right? So he seems to have a totally different take on the whole question of how these things should work. And he says, hold on a second, right? Yisrael, Yisrael, Kani, right? If I, if I can dominate my fellow Jew in this fashion, right, by, by owning his collateral as soon as he gives it to me, even if he does not end up defaulting on the loan, right? So certainly I can do the same thing to a non-Jew, right? So therefore, right, therefore, um, it would be per forbidden for a Jew to take chametz as collateral from a non-Jew and derive benefit from it after Yom Tov. In the opposite case, when the Jew is the borrower, the Jew is the debtor, and he gives the non-Jew a piece of bread as collateral. Everyone agrees that after Pesach, you're not allowed to derive benefit from this bread because the simple reason everyone agrees that the Torah is not awarding the mashkin, the collateral of the guy of the Jew to the guy, right? We're certainly not going to allow the guy to dominate the Jew in that way, and therefore um, we consider the chametz as belonging to the Jew, and unfortunately, it's chametz shavuot pesach. You're not allowed to derive any benefit. Okay. Says the Gemara, one last discussion. Tanan, we learned in our Mishnah, Goy Shehilvi Yisrael HaChametzei Ananju, who lent a Jew money, and the Jew gives him Chametz as collateral. Achar Pesach Muter Right? Our Mishnah says that after Pesach, you can derive benefits, says the Gemara. Right? So the Gemara is now saying, hold on a second, right? You said earlier, the case is that you left the Mashkin, the collateral, in the home of the Goy. So that's why we view it as belonging to the Goy. After all, you said that a Jew, uh, a non-Jew, a non-Jew does not acquire collateral given him, given him by a Jew, given to him by a Jew. Is one circumstance under which a Jewish, uh, a, a non-Jewish rather creditor can be considered to have acquired the property, the collateral of a Jewish debtor. And that is if the non-Jew said, right, that if you don't acquire, the, if you don't repay this loan, right, if you stipulated that the collateral should be acquired from now, from the time of the debtor. If you stipulated that, so that's when we see it um, as having belonged to the non-Jew from that point on. Without that stipulation, yes, the default is, we assume, that it does not belong to the non-Jew. 
until it is given to the nachos. Okay. Says the Gemara, we know Tamer. What's the source for this distinction? How do we know there's a difference from whether or not you, in whether it, it, there is a difference whether or not you stipulate with the distinction of me'achshav? From now, the Tanya we learned, Goisha here in If a non Jew um, left with a Jew as collateral bread baked in an oven, right? It sounds like maybe there's just a common thing to do. Um, um, that's what Rashi says. That was, that was just the norm. It's a, uh, a common form of barter, right? So he gives him passport and he gives him a big loaf of bread, right? As collateral, ain't over, right? So uh, the, we consider that, right? The Jew does not, the Jew's allowed to leave that chametz in his, uh, in his property over Pesach, right? There's nothing wrong. There's no, uh, there's no violation. Excuse me, Bali Rabbi Imatse. Um, because it belongs to the non-Jew. However, he got ticha. If the non-Jew says it's yours now, right? If I don't pay the loan, then oiver. Then we say, ah, oh, at that point, um, at that point, we consider the ownership of the uh, of the of the bread to go over to the Jew. So therefore, right? Maishna Reisha, Maishna Sefer. What's the difference between the two cases? He got when you say he got ticha, and when you don't. Right, it's all the same thing, right? It's yours now, from now, whatever it is. These all indicate that the creditor gets access to the gets ownership of the collateral from this point on, um, uh, pending uh, basically potential uh, buying him out, right? Pay, buying him out by paying up the loan. There's our proof. Okay. On a related note, a Jewish store, whose contents are also owned by a Jew. It's a very common case. He has non-Jewish workers who go in and out. Right? Any chametz that's found there after Pesach, unfortunately, this guy did, uh, did not get rid of all his chametz. You have to assume it came from the store, not the workers. And it was the property of the Jew. Right, it came from the storage of the the, the, the inventory of the store, um, and therefore it's chametz shalver al pesach. You're not allowed to have any benefit from it. However, right or chanus, uh, it follows that chanus shogai, a non-Jewish store, umalai shogai with non-Jewish contents, right? The, the contents of belong to non-Jew. Upayle Yisrael and Jewish workers nechnasim yaitzim l'sham come in and out. Chametz nivz shamach arpesach muter ba'achilam yitzarch le'mba no. Any chametz you find, again, we ascribe to the owner of the store. In this case, the owner of the store is a non-Jew, so you are allowed to derive benefit from it. You don't have to assume. Oh wait, maybe it, it, it drops from one of the from one of the workers. No, you don't have to assume that. You can assume it came from the store's inventory. Okay. New topic. New Mishnah. Chametz upon which a building collapsed, right? Or a, a rock slide, right? It's as if it's been burnt, right? You don't have to burn it. It's, it's inaccessible. Leo says, Right? The, the level of hiddenness, the level of buriedness that's acceptable is anything that's inaccessible to a dog. Okay. So Amr of Chista, V'tzarech Shivata Beliboy. Chista just throws in there, you should know, you got to make a bittel, you got to um, nullify the chametz in your heart because, right, the, the Rashi says, maybe someone will clear the pile at some point over Chalamoid and then you'll be in trouble because all of a sudden the bread is accessible. 
Okay, Tana. Right, how deep can a dog dig? Right, how deep is I should say does a dog generally dig? Three tvachim, three hands asks, right? Shmuel said a general rule, which is that when you have money, someone else's money, and you're supposed to be watching it, there's only one safe place for money in the ground, you gotta bury it. So does that mean you have to bury it? You have to hide it, even right, just like Khamitz, three twachim deep. So on my leg, he says, no. Over here, we're talking about dogs. And we're saying that dogs are going to smell out the food if you don't bury it more than three twachim deep. But is right? We're trying to conceal the money from the eyes of people, right? So it's not necessary to put a three twachim deep. Just got to bury it deep enough that it can't be seen, which doesn't take much. The comma, right? How much? I'm Raffin Bar Papa Misichra, says Raffin Bar Papa of Sichra, Tefach, just one hand's breadth. Okay. Good thing. Yeah, good thing because this month's Talmudology or this week's Talmudology uh, was focused on this issue. Turns out that dogs can actually smell a whole lot more than uh, three hand rests. <laughs> I hear. Um, the question is through the ground. Does he talk about through the ground? Yeah, actually, the, he cites some experiments. Um, they go, they go quite deep. Hmm, interesting. Okay. Um, says the Mishnah. I'll just read this Mishnah, then we'll break it off. Someone eats truma, which is chametz on Pesach. So if it's a shaygig, if he's not, if, if he's not intending. Um, to eat truma, right? Even if he knows he's eating chalitz, but he didn't mean to eat truma. So, as one usually does, if one eats truma accidentally, Mishan Karim Chaymish, he pays the value of the truma, right, to the coin plus a chaymish, plus a fifth of the value, right? Um, because, uh, because, um, um, we don't look at the actual value. Right, we don't. The Gemara is going to explain later on. We don't look at the actual value. Technically, there's no monetary value because it's chametz on Pesach. You're not allowed to derive any benefit from it. It has no monetary value. This, this um, is an outside fifth, right? I'm sorry. This is an outside fifth, which is really a fourth. Yes. 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 Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um. Right. But um. You nonetheless pay back for the value because that's not. We don't assess truma based on monetary value we assess based on basically you know the amount that you cause the person to lose so if he lost a loaf of bread you got to get him you need to replace his loaf of bread however the maze if he did it on purpose so under those circumstances that there's no torah um uh, prescribed way to rectify the wrong and therefore says he doesn't even have to pay from for me may ate him right technically the coin could have used um uh, right, let's say the truma is tame, right? So uh, the coin could have used it as fuel, right? So the, basically, he would, he would generally have to pay the monetary value of the truma in wood, right, in fuel. But since again he did it on purpose, so he's going to be pater from tashlumen, pater from paying if it's not tame, and pater from even paying its value as wood as fuel um, if it is tame. Okay, we'll stop right here.